0: This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Three, two, one. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed.
1: I'm gonna focus a little bit on employees. um, When it comes to the report, their performance, their pay, their benefits, and hopefully this will kind of just give you a guide to how we can utilize the information to impact our um, Uh, keeping people, retention, getting them, all that good stuff.
0: That's Candace Wentling from Certified Action speaking at the WQA convention about the WQA Business Operations Report, an online interactive business tool for WQA dealer members in the U.S. to analyze the success of their business and compare their performance to the industry. And welcome to WQA Radio, where we bring you news and insights about the water treatment industry and promote better water quality around the world. This is episode number 275. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss a show. Just hit that subscribe button on your app. That is the magic of podcasting and be sure to share the podcast with someone you know. We're publishing this on July 13th of 2022. Find us at wqa.org, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And in this episode, we will feature a portion of one of the education sessions on the power morning at the WQA convention and exposition in April in Orlando. If you had a chance to join us there, uh, you'll know how successful that was. And if you're looking for more information about convention, just go on over to wqa.org convention for all the details leading up to next year's convention in Las Vegas. At the presentation, former WQA president DJ Shanahan is the moderator, along with panelists Amanda Krangel, founder of Lamplight Digital Media, and Candace Wentling, Master Water Specialist and Director of Certified Action. They will talk about the value of the business operations report and how to use it to position your company for future success. Later, we'll have our motivational minute and WQA tip. Now on to DJ Shanahan, Amanda Krangle, and Candace Wentling on WQA Radio.
2: I want to welcome everybody to this session which is um, the numbers you need to know elevating your dealership this is all about the BizOps report and this uh, if you haven't looked at this yet if your dealerships aren't participating yet i strongly encourage you to get engaged with this report because it can give you some really valuable information we got a couple of great presenters uh if you were at convention last year or mid-year you saw uh, presentation from Amanda and from Candace on this topic. It really can help us benchmark ourselves against other dealerships. So a lot of great information you're gonna hear this morning with these two dynamic presenters. Uh, and again, this is in re- uh, request, lots of requests we had for more tools and things that we could use for helping train our members. Uh, so in, result, in response to that, we put a team together uh, back in 2019 to develop this tool. And for some of us old guys in this industry, we remember that we had this you know many, many years ago. There was a way to benchmark ourselves against our peers and, and that just had disappeared and really nobody could even put their hands on it. So we looked at this from a fresh new lens. We put, uh, put a committee together. Uh, Richard Mess chaired that committee. They did a really great job of, of vetting through the hundreds of different data points that some of us use to uh to really look at our businesses and uh they they did they put together rfp they found a vendor to work with and the vendors done a really great job the site's been opened for data input first thing we did was collect 2019 data even though it was it was really uh, well into 2021 when we opened the site and that was because we wanted to try and get some idea pre-pandemic numbers So we now have a 2020 data in as well. So we've got a couple year track record. You can start to see some trends uh, and that's what the ladies are gonna talk to us a little bit about this morning. Um, So if you're not participating, I would definitely encourage you to do that. There's some great tools to help you uh, be able to participate. So some of the key areas that we want to look at in this reporting is your profile. And that's gonna be size and location. So in our case, we work primarily in the Northeast. That's the region I chose to look at when I'm going to compare myself against my peers. We want to look at financial, expenses and profitability. Some very interesting information you're going to see when you benchmark yourself against your peers. Business operations and sales. We're all interested in growing. We're all interested in having more sales. Well, how do we stack up? How do our numbers of POE and PO units stack up to other dealers um, of similar size. And by the way, this is a dealer only uh, function. So WQA provides the reporting tools for our manufacturer supplier members for the tank and valve report, for softeners and filters, and now for the ROs. This is a dealer report. This is benchmarking dealers against dealers. Uh, We're gonna look at compensation. Very interesting one. I think everybody with the challenges we all have today with hiring and retaining staff, we better be paying attention to compensation. And what a great way to know if you're paying competitive wages than to use this report. Um, and then of course, employee benefits and training, again, gets right in there with retention. So really great to be able to use this to see uh, how you stack up. So I'll give you a couple examples in, in my company's case, as we started to look at some of these things. My, I have four stores in the Mid-Atlantic my primary store and the one that I've worked at for 32 years, my flagship store, we've never had a problem with turnover before until the pandemic hit and, and some other issues. Um, we, were, we had 29% turnover last year, 29%. That put us in the 88th percentile of all the respondents in the Northeast. It's terrible. It, it can't, I, I can't run my business if I'm constantly hiring, training, and trying to motivate people. Well, what did we find out as we started to dig into what was going on there? We really didn't have great leaders. And it was, it was unfortunate that one of the lessons I've had to teach myself was, I focused on teaching my managers to manage using the metrics and the trackers and all the things I do. I never really gave them the tools to be a good leader. And as you grow, and especially I'm sure we've all grown at crazy numbers we've never seen before, Guess what happens if you don't know how to lead people? When they feel like they're not being led, that leads to dissatisfaction, and that leads to finding another job. And that's exactly what was going on for us. So because of having data points like this forced me to look at that problem, and in our case in Salisbury, two of our three managers are now gone. And that's what was necessary to be able to get these numbers back to what we're used to seeing. Another really great number, and a bad number at the same time for us was, Our EBITDA, we were in the 79th percentile for EBITDA. Well, hell, this is awesome. We're not just growing, we're actually getting to keep some of the money that we're making. So that was very exciting for me. But then the next line down shows you where your fixed expenses or your G&A costs are. And my G&A costs were the highest of the 19 respondents in the Northeast. So guess what we've done? We put a uh, goal in place for our uh, executive support staff, to cut those costs. So uh, another thing that we found that was very interesting, everybody in this room is having trouble finding, hiring and keeping good service techs. Our service tech uh, compensation was in the bottom percentile. So we needed to do something. So we put a plan in place at the beginning of this year to give our service techs the opportunity to give themselves a raise through taking certain education courses through the WQA, getting certified through the WQA, and doing in-house training that we already were doing. And each of those uh, gates that they go through gives them an opportunity to make some more money. So these are some actions that you can take from the results that you're gonna see in these reports. So we have over 100 dealer locations that are reporting, uh, fiscal year data for 2019 and 2020, that's not enough. For these uh, results to really be able to help us get the data we need, we need twice that many. We need five times that many. You know, the, the dealers make up the largest portion of our membership. How can we only have 100 dealers participating in this? If you really see the value that you're gonna hear from the ladies today, I think you'll understand this is something that you wanna participate in and then use in your dealership to improve and that's the whole purpose of the report. So again, get signed up. You can see you've got, we, now that we have a couple years data and we're already accepting data for your 2021 numbers, we've got trends, we can start graphing things out. We can see if we're improving as compared to our peers. So a really great tool and you can go ahead and sign up uh, to participate now. So with that, I'm gonna introduce our first speaker This is Amanda Krangle with Lamplight Digital Media. She founded Lamplight with the purpose of providing water treatment companies a way to profitably grow their dealerships using digital marketing. She really is a pro at this report, and I think you're gonna love what she has to say. So please welcome Amanda.
3: Thank you, DJ. All right, so first, before I share these numbers, just something I thought was really interesting is that installs and and sales, new sales, make up 31% of total revenue for the median company. Um, So this is kind of an interesting data point that you can look at as well. So it's a huge percentage of revenue coming from service and other revenue-generating activities. So for the first 25% of respondents, it was up to 1.3 million. Median was 1.9, so right there almost at 2 million, and then we have 4.1 million for up to 75%. So that's pretty fun to benchmark yourself against those. Um, The next one is earnings, which DJ had mentioned as well. Um, And, of course, this is the money that you get to kind of keep back and reinvest in the business. Um, And this is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Again, we have the same measurement metrics here. Uh, just right at one hundred thousand for the first twenty-five percent. We had three hundred and twenty-four thousand for the median, and then up to six hundred thirty-five percent, or six hundred thirty-five thousand. So another really fun question was, where did your leads come from? So this is really interesting because your responses were quite different than what we see on the business operations report. So again, up to 25%, 15% of their leads come from digital. 29% was the uh, median and 42% was up to 75%. So that's um, close as far as the 75th um, percentile, but you guys seem to have a lot more, which is interesting. I wonder if that's mostly due because it's you know 2021, 2022. Right. Um, you know, people are investing more heavily in digital and we see an increase in leads because of that. Uh, and then this was a really interesting data point to me, which up to 75% was 79% of their leads are coming from print, TV, and radio. And again, this is from 2020. Uh, and I wonder how much that's gonna change as we look at the report for 2021 and 2022
2: if you look at the respondents from the slido you would say that's definitely changed yes from where we are today in 2022 to the results we're looking at which are again reminder these are 2020 data points we're looking at
3: sure yeah and another thing that i think a lot of people um, miss with offline marketing is usually the goal of it is to drive online searches so somebody sees your tv ad they see the billboard um, they hear the radio ad and they're gonna go online and do that search, especially now. Um, and, and then of course, how do you attribute that? Do you attribute the lead to the original uh, source, You know, people seeing the TV ad, or do you attribute it to uh, your online marketing? So it's kind of an interesting thing to discuss. All right, your cost per lead. And again, this is kind of an interesting thing because if, you're, if we're not tracking our, our leads, Um, It's pretty hard to figure out what the cost per lead is and so I would encourage you um, Especially before you take this is to make sure that you've got the systems in place Internally to track your leads um, and then simply divide uh, What you're investing in to generate those leads by your leads, and you'll have your cost per lead all right, so we have again the same uh, measurements here, so the um, the lowest was 3850 the uh, median was 76 uh, and the highest number was 193.43 for up to 75% of people had that. Um, this is kind of interesting, too, because we work with hundreds, you know, uh, of dealers over the last 10 years. And I would say that on average, industry average cost per lead is usually around um, 150 And that would include, you know, everything that you're investing in with your marketing company, your paid ads, uh, everything to generate those leads. So I think this is close. Uh, it'd be, again, very interesting to see how this changes as we all invest more in digital marketing in 2020 and 2021.
2: And just a reminder, too, as, as she said, 75% of the respondents are 193 43 but there are those of us, unfortunately, myself included, in a couple of my dealerships that are over that 75% of respondents, over $200 a lead, really good metric that you should be using to manage how you're getting your leads and, and what you're doing with your leads. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Candace is Director of Certified Action, a business advertisement and training company, advisement and training company. And she's been conducting sales training, field coaching, leadership accountability seminars for the past 16 years. So with that,
1: thank you. take it sir. away Candice. How many of y'all are having people problems? Staff.
2: <laughs> like... Those of you didn't raise your hands are just asleep.
1: I know. I figured <laughs> we need a little crowd participation. Um, but so I'm just going to go over the 2020 data in terms of performance pay and benefits. We decided not to go a huge route in trying to compare 2019 and 2020 data just yet for multiple reasons. But one of them being is we all were shut down for a little bit at some point in time. Didn't have people in the field, so there really wasn't the changes that we thought was going to be in the data because we didn't we had those gaps. So uh, we're definitely interested to begin to make correlations as we improve uh, the report, ways of using it, and also as we gain more information. So I'm going to focus a little bit on employees. Um, uh, when it comes to the report, their performance, their pay, their benefits, and hopefully this will kind of just give you a guide to how we can utilize the information to impact our um, uh, keeping people, retention, getting them, all that good stuff. So. The average, let me start with service. The average installation and service pay rate, so again, the first 25% of respondents, the median, and then 75%. Unfortunately, the data doesn't give us the higher 25 percentile, so you, essentially you're gonna be seeing 75% of the data. So the first data point, oh, and only 75, uh, 74% were eligible for commission. So, if you have an installer or a service position that doesn't offer that, that would be another way that you might be able to add a little bit of value into what they do. So, the first twenty-five percent, they are making up to eighteen dollars and fifty-three cents. So, that's the higher point of that twenty-five percent, uh, the first respondents. The median, again, that middle data point, is at twenty dollars and twenty-nine cents and then we are up to about $23 up to the 75 percentile. Again, there are some that are below and some that are above here, but this is the average results of that. The cool thing about the report is when you have your data inputted into it, when you pull the report, it'll give you a little upside down triangle that shows you where you are at on that data line. So that's, it'll put you right, so you don't even have to do this work. It'll tell you right where you are.
2: Yeah, and another thing on that too, that's really great about the report is being able to drill down and understand regions and geographies and things like that because I have an office outside Philly, obviously I have to pay people more in that office than I have to pay on Delmarva, so. For sure, but my
1: advice, yes, regionally is great and the more data we get, but again, I said this at mid-year, the more you narrow it down, all you're gonna see is your data and you'll be like, I'm doing great. (laughs)
2: When compared to myself, I'm also, (laughs) I also suck.
1: (laughs) So anyway, let's get on to appointment sales closing rates. So this data is showing closing to appointments. Some people track closing a little bit differently. So I just want to make you aware of that. The first 25% was up to 52% to sales to appointment, which I was pretty surprised by that actually. Um, I'm going to kind of say, (laughs) Uh, A little bit of what Amanda said when we, it's funny because we had all that cost per lead data and then the majority of people don't track their cost per lead. Um, Again, I think this is one of those data points where I don't think we track it as well as we should when it comes to closing. So I I just want to preface that with that. Um, Again, I don't care what the number is, you need to be uh, tracking it in order to look at trends, be able to have worthwhile conversations with each, each of your staff members. So again, up to 52%, the median, that middle data point was 63% closing to appointments and up to 75% of respondents were up to 70% of appointments. Now I do think the median is a probably good representation in terms of averages of what I've seen with the dealers I've been exposed to when it comes to appointments. Now sales to leads is a whole different ball game. Those numbers are essentially much lower which is another area where you can put some extra effort tracking and training into. You know, I think this is a big point of things that fall out the bottom of our dealerships that can kind of tighten that up. We're always so focused on new, 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 new leads, new this, new that, sell now. And we're missing opportunities that are falling between the cracks, leads that we don't know if ever called, contacted. And then the no closes, right? Are we tracking the ones that aren't sold and then finding ways to reach back out to them I'll tell you one thing that I know about sales. I'm going to need sales next month, too. right? So this is huge data that if you're tracking it, great. Make sure you're using the data and then implementing processes in your dealership that the people are accountable for that. Next up, sales pay structure, I love this. So in blue, you'll see sales that are commission only. People always ask me, how do I pay these people? Uh, So commission only, base and commission, and then base only. So this is 65% of respondents were at commission only. 28% had a base and commission structure, and then 7% had base only. There are some dealerships that operate with non-commissioned salespeople. What you can say to this is you can say a couple of ways. Um, If you have commission only, that's fine. I grew up in, in that type of environment when I was selling. However, that is a way that you might say, hey, I'll add additional benefits or maybe other perks of the job, support mechanisms, rewards things of that nature. On the Basin Commission, likewise, some people are more comfortable coming into a position where there's a little bit of more structure. Use that as you see fit, but I think it's important to recognize that things don't always have to be done the way they were always done.
0: And that was Candace Wentling, Amanda Krangel, and D.J. Shanahan at the WQA Convention and Exposition in Orlando talking about the value of the WQA Business Operations Report. Learn more and get signed up at wqa.org bizops. That's wqa.org B-I-Z-O-P-S. Now our motivational minute, Little Things. It's the little things that can get lost in the day-to-day activities, but they can be so important. Big things don't get done without the little things, the details. And as busy as we all are, we need to carve out a little extra time for the details. It's a good idea, in fact, to build in a little extra time to catch up with the little things. Maybe, uh, maybe have a certain part of the day where you know that that's what you're going to focus on, that you have a moment to take stock and see which of those little things need your attention right then. The little things, let's not forget them. And that's our Motivational Minute. And now our WQA tip. Have you heard about our live instructor-led training? WQA is offering instructor-led training based on the Certified Installer Training Pathway. It's a 16-week course. It's taught live through Zoom, and it's designed to get you ready for that final exam to earn your professional certification. Also, check out our new rebate program, which will help offset the cost of getting certified. It's a great deal for you and your team. Learn more at wqa.org installer training. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, a podcast of the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio, on most popular podcast apps. Learn more about water at wqa.org and of course, learn about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at wqa.org. This is Wes Bleed, so long from WQA Radio.